Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And welcome to the exciting second edition of our show on the Swiss Guard. Uh, fiercely and faithfully. That's their motto. But I got to tell you something I messed up yesterday. Did I tell you guys this? No. Somebody caught this. I caught it the second time I did it, but not until later. I referred to the Medicis as being from Venice. They're from Florence. Mm. And I don't know what I... Well, I know what I was thinking. The attacks were happening against their business interests in Venice. But their family is from Florence. And I... No, I well, I get why I got it wrong. But I got it wrong. The Medicis were based out of Florence... Their interests were attacked in Venice by his Venetian enemies. But let me just say this in a spirit of utter candor. Oops. And you know the good news? I don't know if there's any Medici still alive. So they don't care. Uh, but the other thing I have to tell you, I got to fix now my hearing aids. I got to tell you wonderful people is that for the first time since I started doing this show, I listened to me yesterday. I don't like me. No, I like me. If I wasn't me, I would take me on a date. <laughs> but what I found, no one told me this. I breathe a lot into the mic. It's not that bad. It's not that bad? No. It was driving me nuts. Because what happened is dad fell asleep yesterday during my show, which just shows his good judgment. And then he was like, well, I want to hear it. So we were in the truck and I thought, okay. And I put it on and I deeply regret my decision. And I blame Carrie. Are you sure that was you? I talk fast, and I breathe way too much into the mic. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. Oh, really? Yeah. And now, if you didn't notice, which camera am I on? This one? Okay, Let me, can I do a dramatic transition? Okay. Do you mind? Yeah. So now when you listen to me, I hope you don't notice. I, it's all, I had to turn me off. Well, don't stop breathing. Yeah. <laughs> no, if you see me hyperventilate and fall over dead, it's just because I'm trying not to breathe so much. You've got to think of the environment. So you remember yesterday's show when we laughed at a very tragic point, right? The, the, the Swiss Guard had almost all of them died protecting the Holy Father, Pope Clement VII, from the armies of King Charles, the dead. That's what I'm calling him because he's dead. But that really wasn't his name. That would be weird to name your kid that. Not as weird as Philibert. Remember Philibert yesterday? We do. So anyway, the Swiss Guard, they did the job. Uh, again, you got to remember, 20,000, uh, about 34,000 troops marched on the city. About 15,000 were killed. Uh, the Swiss Guard did their job, and they did it, and I think I told you this, much the same way the Spartans did at Thermopylae, right? Just make them fight in a narrow area to minimize their number advantage. Um, so anyway, so what happened? Um, after they took the city, so they killed most of the Swiss Guard, but remember, the Holy Father did escape to Castle uh, uh, D'Angelo, right? Which is still the place where the Pope vacations. Did you know that? That's where Benedict is a lot. And if you've ever been to Rome, you know nobody's there in August. 
right? Literally the whole city leaves in August because it's miserable and hot and everybody gets sick because the Tiber is filthy, right? I think I told you about this where like I was there in July and of course the rooms are stuffy and hot and they complain about Americans using air conditioning and do you know why they do that? Because they don't have it. <laughs> but if you open a window, I don't know what it is with Romans. This is true. And anybody who's been to Rome, you might be able to back me up. If you took a class there, you sit in these stuffy, crowded rooms, then they're smelly rooms, and you go to open a window because a breeze would be nice. And this is what you hear from everybody. Oh, Maladia, Maladia. Bad air. Don't let the bad air in. Please. If you're not showering every day, you don't get to talk about bad air. So anyway, did I say that out loud? You did. Okay, in August, that's where the Pope goes, right? They go to Castle, I always have trouble saying it, this is the Johnson, and they hang out there, and they do their vacay. Now, Clement wasn't doing a vacay. He was trying to keep his noggin because it turns out those are important. You need your head to keep talking. Uh, they took over the city. The Pope, again, safely escaped. All the defenders are dead. Um, of the militia, there were about, it looks like about a thousand survived. Um, so they were rounded up and they were all summary execute there was summary executions uh, the first day they executed 1,000 people the marauders did and um, they began to pillage and in the end they murdered uh, somewhere between six and twelve thousand citizens of Rome during this raping pillaging destruction churches monastery palaces houses everything was looted and destroyed even the houses and properties of cardinals who were on the side of Charles II, which, just so you know, that did not make them happy. Uh, this was awful. And some of the cardinals who hated the Pope decided this is a good time to visit Rome, including his worst enemy, Cardinal Colonna. Um, so Cardinal Colonna grabbed a whole bunch of people with him, uh, his little fiefs, right, all the people who served him. And, and of course, he just got everyone together who felt personally screwed by Pope Clement VII. And he said, want to visit Rome? <laughs> so uh, they entered the city on May 8th to take part in the festivities. But here's the crazy thing. When he saw how out of control uh, the army was, when he saw how bad it was, um, it says, quote, he was touched by the pitiful conditions of the city and instead of joining in the pillaging, uh, let people hide in his home in Rome. He gave them comfort and food. And because he was who he was, the marauders did avoid his house. So he did some good. He actually showed up to join in. You got it again. Whenever people are like, oh, the church is so corrupt. I agree. But listen to this, right? Can you imagine like mercenaries attack the Vatican and a couple cardinals are like, I got some people who hate the Pope too. Let's pop in and get some stuff. Can you imagine? This is how much things changed, right? So, uh, Philibert, uh, Perhaps in reaction to being named Philibert, uh, really was not effective. He tried to stop the looting. They didn't care what he said. 
right? They, they said the same thing I did. Dude, you should be a florist. You have the name Philibert. You should wear very colorful clothes and open a flower shop. You should not be a general. Or if you're a general, you need to change your name to like the Swiss guy, Hercules or Caspar. No, he went with Philibert. So uh, the Pope is still in Castle uh, Sant'Angelo, right? And he's, he's okay. He's got food. He's got what he needs. They're not going to breach it, so they didn't even try. Uh, but speaking of didn't even try, this is right about June 1st is when the Pope's army pops in. So you may remember they're only about a month late. <laughs> But the, again, this is the League of Cognac. I assume they were all drunk. They were hungover from the cognac. Is Cavassier cognac? I don't know. Anyway, uh, so the army of the League of Cognac showed up on June 1st north of the city. We're not really sure what happened. I couldn't find anything. All I read in three different articles was, but they were overly cautious. And as a result, missed an opportunity to take out that army. Brand of cognac. It is Cavassier? Because mm -hmm. all I could think of was the ladies' man from Saturday Night Live, you remember? <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, we're going to have some Cavassier. Does anyone remember this? <laughs> okay. It is a cognac. Yeah, and that was Tim Meadows, you know, who's from Detroit. And he said he modeled that character off of guys he knew. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they showed up, uh, but they were too late to do anything, or they were too cautious. It, what I read in two different articles was it would have been easy for them to crush the marauding army. The Swiss had so thinned their numbers, and they weren't congregated. They were spread out, raping, pillaging, looting. It would have been easy for a disciplined Italian army to march in and end the, the fighting, the problems, but they didn't. They were afraid. Uh, and so instead, on June 6th, Pope Clement surrendered. Okay? He offered his surrender. He agreed to pay a huge ransom in exchange for his life. And he ceded certain territories to Charles, the Emperor, the Holy Roman Emperor Charles. Okay? So if that army would have showed up, they showed up if that army had done their job. History, things from then on would look very different. And we're going to take a look at this. Because had he hung on one or two days, and he really couldn't have. He couldn't take what was happening to the people of Rome. He just couldn't. What do you do? And they were quite literally holding buildings, in a sense, hostage. Surrender, or we burn down that. And his advisors, and you know, the smart thing was don't surrender, hang on, the army's coming. But the army's overly cautious approach to the situation made it so Clement said, fine, and he surrendered. And he paid an insane ransom. And not only that, but he ceded some of the territory. Okay. At the same time in Venice, and again, I said this wrong yesterday, uh, he's from Florence, but he had, of course, business interests in, in Venice. Venice took advantage of the situation and they captured some territory uh, as well. Holy cow, what a mess. Poor Clement, uh, the poor people of Rome, and Charles II, what a jerk. Yeah? So what is the aftershock? This 
fundamentally changed the character of the Holy Roman Catholic Church. Okay? And if you know your Roman history, you know that before this, in pagan Rome, there were two sacks that kind of bookended Rome's supremacy in the West. The East, it still ruled, right? Right, the Western Roman Empire, not Constantinople, but Rome. And again, you know, just uh, Western Rome, uh, the whole Western Empire, not the Eastern. Um, it's kind of headquartered in Rome, but it really wasn't, right? Eventually it was uh, headquartered, I don't know, Ravenna, Nicomedia, all these different cities. But Rome always remained kind of their little jewel, even though no one went there. It wasn't considered um, a good place to live if you wanted to keep your, it would be like our Vegas but with class. So, uh, you know two sacks of Rome defined pagan Rome's run at world leadership. In kind of a similar way, this sack of Rome fundamentally altered the character and history and future of the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. How are people doing? Yep. Right, is everybody okay? Yep. All right. So how did it do so? Uh, and honestly, I read a few articles. I listened to a couple lectures on this, but no kidding. Do you know what was most helpful to me on this? Seriously, Wikipedia. Like I, I finally got, I had like four things, four ways that the sack of Rome, this sack of Rome uh, changed things. And I found like, okay, so just know this, Wikipedia does a darn good job on this. All right, so my hearing aids are popping. I'm so sorry. Let me turn them off and try again. Can you guys hear me? Okay, so the key thing, oh, I'm too loud. All right, hold on. These will pop on in just a second. After this message from our sponsor, the Dairy Association, Moo. Back to the show. So before the sack of Rome, you remember, I told you right at the beginning, Clement VII was really the guy who could oppose Charles uh, V's ambition, right? Uh, like it was his thought, his belief, with a lot to back it up, that Charles really wanted to get control of Italy. And not just Italy, but the church. Because again, remember I told you how rich the church was at this point, and the church was powerful in the sense of, if the Holy Father said, right straight out, I'm being attacked by this man, People would have run to his help. They would have been slaughtered, but they would have run to his help. Okay. So once the sack was done, Clement had no resources. He had no military. He had no money. And as a result, what you're going to see is Charles is basically the Pope now. Okay. He fundamentally changes the character of the church. Um, and he eviscerates Clement, in a sense, from his ability to do what he thinks is right. Now, what you're going to see in just a moment is on a couple of these, historically, you could argue Charles was right and Clement was wrong. You really could. Uh, oh, question? Okay, hold just on. A quick one, just a quick one. How did you get to be so pretty? Well, uh, sack like him football. Uh, note with a K. Okay. Right? Like sack, pillage, rape, steal. Uh, and I hate saying rape. I'm sorry. I just, that's part of it. And it's an awful part of it. Um, but when we say they sacked the city, what they mean is they destroyed, they stole, they, they it's, it's awful. 
Um, many cities historically never recovered from being sacked uh, because there was just nobody left. And in this case, you're going to hear in just a minute how depopulated, like Rome changed, the city changed. Um, so. Uh, great question. Uh, where did we go? Here we are. All right, stick with JoJo. So, um, this was the last time, by the way, the League of Cognac. And I just, we got to say that a lot. In fact, I want to rename our show The League of Cognac. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was the last time Italy truly fought for her independence and unity until the 1800s, right? Italy doesn't exist as a country until the 1800s. Uh, it's a lot of little kingdoms with uh, differing interests, and Charles had control over most of them or the ability to, in to incite chaos. Right? Romans were masters at this back in the day. Namely, if you've got two tribes that are super, that are the two most powerful tribes in an area you want to rule, what did the Romans do? Well, you just pick one and make them your best friend and make the other tribe jealous and worried, and then you switch. Right? You just constantly seed tension between the powerful tribes, and Charles was masterful at this as well. One of the saddest to me is that at this point, Rome was at her high peak for art and culture. Um, Christian Rome was really becoming the thing you imagine in your head uh, for that day and age. A beautiful, shining city filled with art and music and poetry. But this sack ended that. A lot of art disappeared art that we read about but can't find because it's gone. It's probably in some German, you know, marauders living room. I'm just kidding. Uh, artists, this is what, quote, artists and thinkers scattered from the city. Here's the crazy point. Pre-sack of Rome, there were 55,000 people living in Rome. Post-sack, a little under 10,000. That's how bad it went. People were slaughtered and people fled and Rome collapsed. The crazy thing is, and if you know your European history, you can see this thing coming. You heard how many German and Spanish soldiers got killed in this battle. So what do you do with all those corpses? Well, they let them sit there. And if you let them sit there long enough, you get disease, right? Uh, pillaging ended. Woo! Sorry. Did you see that? My iPad collapsed in sympathy with Rome. <laughs> Pillaging finally ended sometime around February of 1528. Uh, so eight months of pillaging, sacking, raping, looting. Uh, and why did it end? Because of disease, the plague came. Why did the plague come? Because they left the bodies to lay there so they could go get stuff. And they figured we can't extort any more money. Uh, everybody in our army is dying. This actually, this attack ended that army for all intents and purposes. Okay. Now, Clement, Clement Star, you know, continued uh, backing art and, and, and beauty, but he really didn't have any money anymore. And again, all the artists fled, and this is considered the death of the golden Medici age, namely the Medicis from Florence loved art. 
They loved music. They loved beauty. And almost everything beautiful you see in the Vatican today is because of them. Right? It's because of their money, their funding. Um, you know, he, he, the city never recovered its population until the, uh, much, much later. Now, here's the bigger political, right? When we look at what are the political implications, the Pope lost his power, right? He was now, for all intents and purposes, a puppet of Charles. Uh, now, you know, Charles, uh, the emperor, claimed afterward, well, I never intended that to happen. He sure as heck didn't stop it. And it sure didn't bother him. Uh, he did really, really well in this. Uh, Charles remade the church in his own image. Um, he told Clement what to do, what decisions to make. And Clement literally just did what he was told. He's trying to save the city. He's trying to save the church. Uh, Charles picked which people to be named cardinals. Charles picked which people he wanted named bishop. You know, blah, blah, blah. The Pope was now a puppet. And that's bad enough, but here's the crazy, okay? Here's one of the crazies. There's two real crazies from this where like, okay. The first is the Emperor Charles had a favorite aunt, okay? And you might know this name, Catherine of Aragon, and you might think, where do I know that name? Well, Catherine of Aragon, his favorite aunt, was married to a guy named Henry VIII, Henry VIII wanted to divorce her for two reasons. One, she couldn't give him sons. She gave him a couple, but they died young. And she, seemed, she had a couple daughters. Henry wanted an heir. And Henry also wanted Anne Boleyn, who wasn't his wife. So while having an affair with her, he petitioned for an annulment, which Clement would never have given. No way. Um, well, or which Clement would have given because back then the law, I'm sorry, I said that backward. Charles wouldn't have given. Clement would have. Why? Because she couldn't give him a boy. Okay? And you might think, oh, that's sexist. That's how it worked back then. Sorry, folk. Okay. That's how it worked. We could say that's terrible. I dig you, but that's how it was. Okay. So Clement would have given her the annulment. Charles was like, oh, no, you're not. That's my aunt. And now you get the Anglican Church. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that something? Yes. I did not see that coming. Did you? I, I mean, I didn't see it as connected to this. I remember reading that he was a puppet, but I never connected it to the sack of Rome. Are people getting me here? This is some crazy stuff. Yeah. But it gets even crazier. You, you may have... Yeah. <laughs> right? So, uh... One of the other things you gotta, uh, well, I don't know if I should get into all this. Um, uh, huh? Like this, yes. <laughs> well, all of this stuff changed the church, right? The Pope was free to exercise power in the name of the church. Hopefully for right, although a lot of them did it for wrong. That power's gone and it never exists again. The Pope can have all the opinions. Yeah, I mean, think about this. Um, what's his name? Francis, Pope Francis, says something about, well, you should take care of immigrants. You know, the stuff that's in the Bible? Yeah? That means nothing now. Catholics disregard it. And not only disregard it, they do what their political masters say. 
right? My political masters tell me that we should, oh, just keep saying we want legal immigration, but we really don't. We just don't want those people here. And we want to pretend that all of a sudden we're law and order folks. We're only law and order when it benefits us. But the fact that now we're comfortable condemning the Pope, we're comfortable attacking the Pope just because we don't like what he's saying, that's new. Right? And to give you a sense of things, back then, kings didn't oppose it because he had political muscle as well as military muscle. Uh, it's really wild to think about. The church you see now is more a reflection of Charles the second, of Charles, uh, Emperor Charles, than it is of what the church's vision for herself back then was. How does she see herself? She saw herself as existing to worship God, to create beauty, and to take care of the poor. And did she get political? Oh, yeah. But ostensibly, so that she could worship God, create beauty, and feed the poor. This monstrosity of a bureaucracy and this idea that, ah, you know, the Pope says this, but he's wrong. Because that politician I like says something else, and you can trust those guys. Uh, that's new. That's new. And at all, the seeds of it were planted here. It's just crazy to think of, okay? Um, under the influence of Charles and then uh, his son, King Philip II of Spain, the church began doing something she really didn't like to do and rarely, rarely, ra you won't find instances of it in history until this event, namely what? The Inquisition. The church focused less on creating beauty and more on protecting the truth. Okay? So the Inquisition became pervasive. Uh, under after Charles, the Emperor Charles, okay? And the whole idea of creating beauty as a form of worship kind of got put to the side. It got put to the side. That's not important. Also, okay. uh, this is the key. And this is to me another one of those Catherine of Aragon moments, okay? This is where Charles was right. And it's yeah, easy to say. Okay, we know history the way it happened. Namely, Luther rose up and demanded reform in the church. What was the church's response? Well, we throw grenades, he throw grenades. It'll all chill out. Um, what was Charles's opinion that he held as soon as Luther rose to preeminence? We need to have a council. We need to work this out. We need to sit Luther down with church authorities and hammer this stuff out. Clement was like, Psh, Luther who? Right? Charles was like, no, brah, sit with him. Right? We, we got to protect this church. We got to keep Christianity together. Clement didn't do it. As soon as Charles got control, he tried to force it, but it was too late. At that point, um... Charles advocating for calling the council. Clement opposed this. And basically he's saying, why did he oppose it? A, because Charles proposed it. And two, Luther doesn't dictate theology. We do. So what happened? Um, the Council of Trent was convened way too late. And it was only convened, you could argue, because Charles made Clement do it. Now, if you look at Trent and addresses, the Council of Trent, it addresses Luther's issues.
And what you and I think of as Lutheran, or not Lutheran, as mainstream, mainstream Protestantism is very, very, very different than what Luther did. Luther defended vociferously the perpetual virginity of Mary. Luther believed in the Eucharist. Luther, I mean, you could go on and on. What you see in American Protestantism has almost no connection to Luther, theologically. Luther didn't hate indulgences. He hated that they were used badly. You can read his theses for yourself and see. He wasn't saying indulgences were bad. He was saying the way you're doing them is bad. And he was right. And Trent corrected it. A lot of Luther's initial issues got addressed in the Council of Trent, but it was too late. It was way too late. At that point, if you look at the sack alone, that divided the church. There were Catholics who, Catholics, who participated in the sack of Rome. Think about that, right? I told you. Luther told them not to, but his followers, some of them, did it. Why? They hated Rome. Am I making sense here? It's really crazy to think about. Um, yeah, it was years after Clement's death where the Council of Trent was convened at the wishes of the Roman emperor, not the pope. Yeah. What if it had been done earlier? So prior to that, did most Catholics live there? Or was they were still all over the place? All over the place. Catholics lived everywhere. Okay. There was really, in Rome, in Europe, think of the whole of Europe. I think I'm going to say this right. You had Christians which was us. I mean, nobody said Catholic versus Christian. So let's do this. You had Catholics. You had followers of reformers who, for the most part, consider themselves Catholic. They weren't going to break off. Some didn't. Some did break off. Some didn't. Right. Luther was the first really successful one. And once that ball started rolling, it, breaking never leads to anything but more breaking. I mean, that's just a fact. Okay, that's life. Once Luther broke and it worked, more broke. They broke from Luther. Then they broke from the guy who broke from Luther. Then they broke from the guy who broke from the guy, you know, right? You can do this on and on. Um, and you had Jews. Uh, you had Muslims, but they were there because they invaded, <laughs> not because people were converting to Islam without swords. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean? You converted to Islam or you got your head cut off, uh, you just, people chose to convert to Islam. Yeah. So, um, you know, like Charles said would happen, Trent solved the problems and just did it way too late. Way too late. Uh, the wounds were too deep. Uh, by, this is how it says it, quote, by 1545, the time for reconciliation between Catholics and Protestants, which had been a possibility up till the 1530s, had passed. Okay, it was passed. People were too entrenched. Martin Luther commented, Quote, this is really genius. This is one of the reasons you got to love Luther. He really had a way with the language, with the, okay? Quote, Christ reigns in such a way that the emperor who persecutes Luther for the Pope is forced to destroy the Pope for Luther, right? So you got Charles who wants to crush Luther because he's Catholic, ends up crash crushing the Pope for Luther. And Luther thought that was pretty funny. And you know what? He was right. What a mess. What a mess. Um, so that's a snapshot 
and there's a lot more to it. Uh, I just don't want to keep going on and on about all the ways the church changed because of the Holy Roman Emperor, in a sense, taking control of the church. She changed a lot, and I think I gave you the strongest sense of it. Her theology didn't change, not even a little. Her execution of that theology and her prioritizing of it changed. Art, beauty, music, that took a back seat to getting it right. Okay. And I, I dare say we're less for that. I do. Right? I, uh, you see beautiful old churches. And some of that is we can't afford to build the churches you see when we were poor. Isn't that nuts to think of? When we were dirt poor Catholics, we could afford to build beautiful churches. Now we're, hung, now we're comfortable rich Catholics and we build churches. Some of them hideous, like the 60s, 70s. Okay. So let's get back to the Swiss Guard, right? So uh, as you can imagine, the noble, faithful, ferocious fighting of the Swiss Guard uh, became the thing that led to them being the papal bodyguard for the rest till Jesus comes back. Right, and then they won't need him. We won't need him. We'll be like, sorry guys, you're retired. A uh, couple ways uh, Swiss Guard have popped up prominently since then. World War II, right, when Hitler wanted to invade the Vatican and send assassins in to kill different priests uh, and different uh, cardinals and bishops. Uh, it was the Swiss Guard who protected them. And the Swiss Guard believed that they would all have to die defending the Pope. Right. Hitler never invaded the Vatican because he would have lost about a third of his army. Um, like, if you think about it, most of you Catholics, if we were all military and the president gave the order to attack the Vatican, well, we're going to leave the military. Right? We're going to die rather than do that. Even Catholics who really don't practice, most of them would just, bra. Right? And Hitler had the same issue. So he didn't invade, but th it's clear from the notes that the Swiss Guard have in the records, they took up their defensive positions and prepared to all die. They were sure this is it, but we'll die protecting the Pope, right? Who was protecting a lot of Jews. Uh, the unit was reorganized uh, in 1940. Well, you don't need all that crap. Okay. Uh, the next reorganization happened in 1959, then in 76, then in 79. The number was fixed at 100 in 1979, and that's where we are today. Uh, they have a commandant, three high officers, a chaplain, 23 lesser officers, 70 pikemen, and are you ready? Two drummers. Two of the cardinals are drummers. Drummers. Nice. Right. I don't get it. Can I have a backup? Yeah. Well, maybe like their drumsticks have like pointy things, like ninjas. Uh, for those of you old enough, you remember in 1981, someone shot Pope John Paul II a couple times. Uh, they did protect him. Uh, if you ever want, you know, the Soviets ordered that hit. That was um, communism trying to take out a guy who was crashing communism. Uh, Woodward wrote a great book about it, about... Reagan and John Paul II basically ended the Soviet Union, right? Uh, they said uh, Reagan attacked their wallets, Pope John Paul II attacked their hearts. 
And so uh, a communist uh, assassin was sent to shoot the Pope, and he did. Uh, the Secret Service got him, and they covered the Pope. I think he—I can't remember how many bullets were inside of him, but they saved his life. Uh, tragically, um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the guy who saved the Pope uh, was promoted— and then uh, he was shot and killed by a man who hung himself, um, like within hours of being promoted for saving the Pope. He was a plainclothes officer that day, ran out of the crowd, dove on the Pope, got the help. So uh, those murders in the Vatican where that guy was killed were the first ones since the mid-1800s. First murders that got caught. Uh, the Swiss Guard are sometimes called by people the Vatican City Police, but they're not. They have a police force. They don't police. They are the army. What's for? He was he was hit, hit four, four times. times. Yeah. Um, tough, tough man, John Paul II. Oh, we miss him. So that gives us a snapshot. Uh, now here's what the guards. You know, how do you get in the Swiss Guard? Okay. Well, first, you have to have a small pocket knife with a lot of attachments. I'm going to be totally honest. I made that up. That's not true. I know. Big shock. All right. To be in the Swiss Guard, you have to be Catholic. You have to be a single male. You have to be of Swiss citizenship and completed basic training in the Swiss Army. And uh, you have to, while in the Army, have obtained notations of your good conduct. Okay? Uh, they have to have a professional degree or a high school diploma. They have to be between 19 years of age and 30 years of age, and they have to be at least 5'9". Right? Why? You can catch bullets easier when you're not too short. That, truly. Um, qualified candidates have to apply, and if they're accepted, what date are they sworn in on? May 6th. The day they all died protecting the Pope. Uh, and uh, the chaplain of the guard reads aloud the oath in the language of the guard. So what languages do the Swiss guards speak? They all have to speak German, Italian, and French. Okay, And they do. Most of them speak English, too. I, did I tell you? I'm dead serious. I played basketball with these guys. <laughs> and uh, oh, truly, in 90... I always get my years mixed up, but I'm going to say 94. A bunch of us played a pickup game with them. And these guys are animals. They are. They're big dudes. And they're strong. And they're cheaters. <laughs> they won. Yeah. yeah. And afterward, it was funny. We all went out and had some beer and uh, sandwiches. It was, a great, it was really cool. But, okay. Uh, so, do you want to hear their oath? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But still, not many people can say they played basketball with you. Yeah. I think honestly, if you're studying to be a priest in Rome, you're going to play basketball or soccer with them. Seriously. And I guess they're a brutal soccer team, like just freakish athletes. Uh, and and this is hilarious as a total irrelevant side note. So all the North Americans, there's the NAC, it's called in Rome, the North American College. So that's the college where all the North Americans go to become priests, right? Do you know what the name of their soccer team is? The North American Martyrs. 
because these, they just get slaughtered. All these Europeans know how to play soccer, and Americans just don't, not on the level these freaks do. It would be like an English American football team coming here to play football. Um, so they jokingly call themselves the North American Martyrs. There's a whole league. The Swiss Guard has a team, the North American College, South America. I mean, it's kind of funny. Anyway, blah, blah. So here's what they say, okay? They hand up, but they don't do this. <laughs> I swear that I will faithfully, loyally, and honorably serve the Supreme Pontiff Francis and his legitimate successors and dedicate myself to them with all of my strength, sacrificing, if necessary, my life to defend them. I assume the same commitment with regard to the sacred college of cardinals whenever the apostolic see is vacant. Further, I promise to the commanding captain and my other superiors respect, fidelity, and obedience. I swear to observe all that the honor of my position demands of me. So um, what do they mean the holy see? That means the pope. Okay, so when the Pope dies, the College of Cardinals are in charge. While the Card College of Cardinals are in charge, they serve them. Okay, but as soon as they're not, remember, they serve the Pope. Okay, so when that happens, then each guard approaches the pontifical Swiss guard flag. They hold the flag in their left hand, raise their right hand with their thumb, index, and middle finger extended along the three axes. Right? Remember, it's a one pointy, one sharp, one, one hook, axe, pointy. Right? Hack, pull the shield, stab. Okay. Uh, so they do this gesture along the axe, the, the, duh, the thing. And why do they do that? The Trinity. Right? And then they swear the following. I, you know, Bob Jenkins. Well, actually, they're Swiss. I, Flieger Bogenmogenhaisen Schlaw, swear to digit. <laughs> I need therapy. I, Hans Gruber, uh, swear to diligently and faithfully abide by all that has just been read out to me. So help the God. So help me God and all of His holy saints. Okay. So uh, you have to serve for a minimum of two years. You can also choose to stay in for two more, um, which a lot do if they can. It seems clear that these guys like it. Uh, they receive a tax-free salary of 130 euro a month. So what would that be, pa? About 1,500? No, it'd be about 1,100 a year. I'm not sure. A month. I don't know. Yeah. Euro. Euros are more than ours, right? Hey, can you look it up, bro? Yeah. What is uh, 1,500 euro a month? Oh, 1,500 1, euro a month. Can you look that up? Mm -hmm. He's looking it up. And also, I have no idea why this cracks me up. Seriously, they get overtime. <laughs> I don't know if they have a union, right? And it's like, well, you get time and a half. I don't know. Well, you caught two bullets, Bob. 1,500 euro a month. 1,764. Oh, so about 1,700 bucks a month. Yeah. Okay. So they get about 1,700 bucks a month, but truly, I've never seen them buy their own beer. Yeah. Anywhere they go, priests buy them beer. I'm dead serious. I've seen them at bars in, in Italy, and they do drink beer. 
You don't see them drinking the red wine that you see the popes and the, the bishops and the price oh, I'm drinking. Uh, they're getting after pilsners and lagers. <laughs> yeah. Deutsch, what can you do? Um, in addition, uh, they're given a house, right? There's these little houses. They're very, very basic right inside the little Vatican City. Uh, members of the Guard are eligible for Vatican decorations. And then after three medals of service, three years of service, they do get this medal that I don't try to pronounce. But it's pronounced like this, which is German for good work, Hans. So... <laughs> What else? There was something I was going to tell you. Oh, I don't know if you, if I'm in, if you're a priest and you're wearing your cassock or your, what do you call those clerics? They salute you every time you walk by. Any priest, any bishop, any uh, pope, when you walk by, boom, they do that one salute. And it'll scare you the first two times because you're like, they're about to kill me. But it's a salute. But they stand there. I mean, you, I don't know. Have you guys seen these cats? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're something else. And again, they're specimens. They are. They're, there's a, every once in a while. Um, gosh, now, I don't know if this is horrible to say. Oh, I should have this up. Every once in a while, there's a little bit of a scandal where they all get liquored up and go out on the, or they go out on the town and get liquored up and things get broke. Do you know about this? Mm. It's kind of funny. Like it, it is, it, I, you know, I'm not being funny. It's literally true that every once in a while, the boys get restless and things get broke. Um, okay, we got a couple questions. Clement's father was a Medici, yeah. Yep, Clement's father was a Medici, he's a Medici. And yesterday I said Venice, I meant Florence. But again, to be clear, I did mean Venice when I said that's where their interests were attacked. Uh, yeah? Okay. Uh, did the Eastern Orthodox Church reach out or attempt to influence? No. There was still a lot of hate. And I, I'd almost say, what's that? Schadenfreude. There was probably some schadenfreude going on, right? Do you know that phrase, schadenfreude? It's taking joy in your enemy's suffering. Uh, and I don't say that to rip on the Orthodox. I, I want to be clear. Um, this was not two groups that got along. Um, I'm not aware of any. Gosh, you know what? I shouldn't speak so authoritatively. Pardon me. I'm not aware of it. And I would tend to doubt there was any thought except good. You know, we were bad to them. You know, that's the thing. Uh, our popes have apologized, officially apologized for what we did in Constantinople, but you can't undo it. You know what I mean? You, you, and yeah. Ah. How many Jesus points for naming my kid Hercules? Okay, straight up, no baloney. You name your kid Hercules, I give you 100 Jesus points and a $5 gift card to McDonald's. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. You know what I mean? The 100 Jesus points would be by far the single biggest outpouring of Jesus points one mortal has ever received. I mean, even our blessed mother, she got 50 that one time. And that was the record. If you want to smash the record set by our blessed mother, you have to name your child Hercules. If you already did, sorry. Sorry, I don't count. I don't know if Alicia's watching. She's one of my dear friends from East Lansing when I was at MSU where Jesus went to school. And I convinced her to name her child Augustus. 
Mm. I baptized that squiggly. And he he's a boo. But I wanted her to name him Augustus Caesar, but she went with Augustus and then like a normal people name. Joe. Joe. What was security like at Vatican pre-COVID? It seems like the Pope can still be quite vulnerable. And then there's more questions. Please help me finish this. But I want to do the first part first because the next question, these are all very good, by the way. Uh, security, it depends how far you go. What you need to remember is that the Vatican, St. Pete's, is all set up brilliantly they know where you are in a sense and you can't get near the pope without them knowing i'm trying to figure out how to explain it you can't sneak anywhere you shouldn't be where it pertains to security so uh for example this blew me away when we got, I think I told you guys this, that, that there was a day where um, we got to spend literally hours with St. John Paul II, prayed private mass with him, mm. unlike you people. Uh, there were eight of us and St. John Paul II. And so um, when we were walking through that area where frankly, we wouldn't be without specifically the Holy Father saying they can be there. Every time, I, I promise this is true. Every time we turned a corner, the Swiss guard behind us disappeared and there was all of a sudden one in front of us. They are some bad, bad men. Um, they also, although they usually don't do this, usually the ushers will. And I know this causes controversy. I've never seen it cause controversy with anything but Americans. I'm gonna to be totally honest. I hate when people crap on America. I love America. But ladies, you gotta cover your shoulders. Um, if you go there wearing a halter top, they will stop you and not let you in the church. And they'll offer you, I am not kidding, a garbage bag with a hole in it. You could put that on. If you want to go in, you just need to put this on. Men, they're not going to let you in wearing shorts. They might. Again, it depends who's working, right? This is Italy. Uh, but for the most part, like I remember an American Catholic musician. And I was so bummed about this. But she did this post on Instagram where she's standing outside of St. Pete's with her arms like this and looking sad and wrote this story about these horrible people turning her away from the Vatican because she wasn't dressed appropriately. And of course, then the timeline was filled with all oh, those stupid, you know, women hating, you know, and it was like, no, that happens to everybody. Uh, I've been stopped because I had cargo shorts that went past my knees. And it's a long story, I didn't think I was going in. I had already done a loop, but some people I knew came up, can you show us St. Pete's? And I thought, oh, they stopped me. And I didn't complain. Um, but anyway, that's one thing. If you go there, you need to dress appropriately. If you don't dress appropriately, they'll stop you, or they might not. But you might even get in and then have someone approach you and say, excuse me, we need you to put this on or to go. It's just how it works, guys. Um, so the pr anyway, I kind of answered the question. I don't know what it's like COVID time. I ain't been there, right? I ain't been there. I just said that. Is the Swiss Guard trained like a modern security force? Yeah. Uh, 
more so. There's Mossad training last I knew. Um, they are exceedingly skilled in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Those halberds, although you might not be used to, you might be thinking guns, yeah, but you don't want to fight someone with a halberd, especially if you don't have one. Um, they also carry guns. They carry SIG uh, P220s. Uh, I would assume chambered in nine. You know the Europeans and their love for the nine millimeter. Um, and they also carry, um, come Holy Spirit, the MP9, which I want to join the Swiss Guard just to get that machine gun. Jesus wants me to have one. That is a beautiful gun. Have you ever... Oh. Uh, Benedict at the Christmas service when he was knocked over. Guards got fired for that. Yeah, you remember that, that woman jumped the rope? And it happened to John Paul II. This happens actually more than you think, but it's not news because nothing ends up happening. But I saw twice John Paul II get run at. Um, when you saw where the woman grabbed Pope Francis, didn't you? Right? I have, uh, like, she literally grabbed him and started chewing his ear about something, and he started smacking her hand. Um, but... Yeah, the, the security's, it's different than the president, right? Uh, for a lot of reasons, but yeah. So somebody was thinking, bringing up the example when Pope Benedict was knocked down at Christmas, right? That, that, that uh, person jumped the rope and tackled him. Uh, and then the Swiss guard introduced him to their elbows. Um, and the other thing, you know, you, you, you know, I've actually, it was funny. I tell you, when I got brutalized by mother, what's her name? She's a saint now, Teresa, at a John Paul II Mass. It was hilarious. Uh, they do kind of mosh pit communion, right? Uh, or they don't do lines. You just kind of charge. And um, I got a scoozy, scoozy. Uh, and she, yeah. I got elbowed by him. And you flipped down? Yeah, and she was two foot seven. Like, she was throwing the elbow up here, and it caught me on my, my booty. No, truly. I know so tons touched, of people so who've got by Mother Teresa. Two saints in Well, you know, they got to meet one. Any other ones? Uh, what saints have I met? No, uh, the only canonized thing, saints I can think of that I got to meet our John Paul II, and I didn't really meet Mother Teresa as much as I got shoved out of the way. And I'm dead serious. And there's a lot of people with that story. Oh, that cute. Yeah, what the heck, we're besties. We're like this. Um, no, truly, you can, a lot of people can tell you that story. That chick wanted communion. Yeah, she should have played hockey for the poor. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. I think those are the only two canonized saints I've met. I don't know. Wow. I'm thinking. I got to see uh, Padre Pio's cell. I got to see Father Casey's cell. Um, come Holy Spirit. Well, I'm pilgrimage to a lot of saints. I, I'm googly for saints. I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And saints. Um, so any questions before I go? I could take one more, I think. Uh, this took less time. I was worried I'd go way over. Well, I mean, it's three minutes to the hour. So right. Not, not way under. You have one? No uniforms? Oh, the uniforms. Oh, my gosh. You were probably told they were designed by Michelangelo. They were not. 
I told people they were designed by Michelangelo when I did tours, because I heard they were. They are not. And I didn't know that until I researched this. They're just wearing the clothes that people wore at the time of that battle. That's how people dressed, right? Which, okay, fellas, no wonder they didn't marry for love. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, I can't imagine a woman looking at that uniform and going, oh, yeah, baby. You know, uh, but they did back then. Well, actually, they didn't because they didn't marry for love. Who am I marrying? The guy with the yellow, bright yellow, red, blue clothes or the guy with the bright yellow, blue, and red clothes? So what clothes? do they say? With swords, guns? Halberts, uh, okay. that's the thinger, and then they carry, well, I don't know if they put it back here. I would assume they do. Are they allowed to talk to people, or are they? Not really. They'll talk to priests if we have questions, um, but as a general rule, they're going to do the uh, English soldier thing. Yeah, that's what They're, they're just going to look straight ahead, mm -hmm. um, and they aren't not intending to be rude. And I know this sounds funny, but I truly, when I talked to we did. We played ball with them, and then we drank some beer. Every sense they have is focused. They're hearing every conversation they can, and they're processing it in a lot of languages. They're looking for data. They're getting messages in their ears. Um, uh, like electronic, not the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't it be cool if the Holy Spirit was like, I want to reach the camera song. Okay. Uh, you know, they're not just staring ahead. This is laser focus. Um, that's a great question. But yeah, no, the uniforms they're wearing are just reflective of the clothes men wore, uh, particularly guardsmen in the 1500s, which is really wild. I always had heard the Michelangelo thing. And I'm glad he didn't design it because those are ugly. You know what I mean? And the dude knocked it out of the park on everything. But can you imagine, like, he's in heaven, he's like, I shouldn't have done those uniforms. And everybody can wear stripes. Yeah. But guys like that can. They're caught. Like, I'm serious. I caught a couple elbows from how you doing. We beat them. But anyway. Okay, because they can't play basketball. They play basketball like big white people do. You know what I mean? Seriously, it's just like, I will brutalize you under the hoop and get a basket. Uh, is your shirt one of a kind? No, I don't think so. Andrew Schmidt got this for me. It's almost your, your, your microphone. Oh, it says Jesus saves and it shows Jesus throwing a relief pitch. I like it. Andrew Schmidt, got this for me. Schmidt, the principal at... In Fenton. And we've been friends since we were kids. Yeah, poor guy. Montrose. Montrose. He's a Montrose boy. Uh, and uh, I love him. Love you, Drew. Go Tigers. We gripe at each other about the Tigers. Uh, well, not anymore. Right. Do you know there's one team in the American League Central with a winning record against winning teams? Us. Did you know that? We're the only team in the AL Central that has a winning record against teams with a winning record. How you doing? And A.J. Hinch has never managed a season under 500. He's six away right now. Five away. Wait, did we lose last night? Six away. We lost last night, two to, three to two. Okay, so uh, guys, tomorrow is question and answer, and I'm geeked out, and the dog just moved the camera, so I'm going to move me. How about that? Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something. 
Marius agrees. I really do, seriously. Am I forgetting something? No. Okay, mijo, mijo. Okay, so I'm gonna do prayer and then you're gonna resume your life and wish you could forget all of this. And tomorrow, 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 I will be doing question and answer. And did I tell them about Oliver Teese? What? Uh, sorry, Rich Bud has a late, late minute comment. Rich he Bud said, hit me, Big he Dad. He says Raphael influenced the design of the uniform, not Michelangelo. Okay, what? I mean, pardon? He said Raphael influenced the design of the uniform, not Michelangelo. Nicely done, Rich Bud. I love that beautiful man. If you guys don't know Rich Bud, seriously, <coughs> this is a crazy holy man who could be making money, a lot more money in the secular world. But like you, Chuck, like you, Carrie, you guys have chosen to set your beautiful gifts and talents at the service of the church. And I, I don't mean a rich, you know, he knows I, I'm goofy for him. In fact, we should get him on here. We should oh, get Rich Bud on here. Rich Bud, yeah. you need Jesus. Let me check with Jesus. Uh, yeah, he wants you on here. And he said you have to call Carrie. Because if you call me, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I love Rich Bud. And I'll never follow up. I'm a moron. So uh, thank you, Rich Bud. His name is Richard Bud, but I call him Rich Bud. Because I'm 12. So uh, I remember what it was, and now it's gone. Do you remember? I said, I remember what it was. And then Rich Bud rudely, rudely interrupted oh, Oliver Tees. Did I mention Oliver Tees? I don't think you did. I had Oliver Tees again. Dude, this is love. And I had uh, a lemon bar for dessert, mm -hmm. not a cookie. A delicious cookie, but it's like I'm fat, and that's tiny. <laughs> and I had this time, so yesterday I had a roast beef, onion, and something wrapped. This time I had a grilled wrap with steak and cheese. And I shoved Dad out of the way to get another one. <laughs> So if you're in this area and you want to support a local business, that's another great one, right? We've introduced you to so many. Grand Blink is filled with hardworking men and women who make a great product and employ other people, right? I'm thinking of Kim Rose Fashions. I'm thinking of that wonderful shop right across the road. Do you remember the name? Treasure Baskets. What is it? Treasure Baskets. Treasure Baskets. I'm thinking of Little Joe's Tavern. I'm I mean, uh, El Sarah's. El Sarah. El Sarah, the hot dog stand. I need a moment. We're actually, I met the owner today. Okay. Did you tell them that I'm in love? Yeah, they're new, actually new owners. Does Rachel Vice own it? No. Okay. But we're going to do it on the go. There. We have yeah. to. Yeah. Seriously, and they should give me sandwiches <laughs> to help me with the show. Okay, let's pray because the dog is pure evil. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for uh, men and women who, uh, mijo, please, sorry, uh, spacey brain. Thank you for men and women who put their gifts and talents at service for the church. Thank you for all these young men and the Swiss Guard who protect our Holy Father. Jesus, all through history, your church has done beautiful things and awful things, and we've done beautiful things and we've done awful things. But you keep using us, and you keep using the church, and we're so grateful. Never give up on us, Lord. I ask today, Lord, that in a special way you bless all lay employees of the church. And I ask, Lord, that you reward them for their generous giving. 
protect their families and keep them in your care. And help all of us who are served by them to remember to treat them with dignity and love. For all the people that we worry about, for all the situations that we fret about, oh Lord Jesus, we give them to you and, and we love you so much and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whoop. See you tomorrow for question and answer. Peace! Is it over? No, it's never over.